Welcome to The Inner Circle, the podcast bringing you into honest conversations about climate action. Together, we'll talk to business owners, experts, activists, and others who are working on circular economy initiatives on the ground. We'll uncover what we're doing right, where people are going wrong, and what needs to be done to change the system to value people and the planet. Together, we're making the impossible possible. Welcome back to The Inner Circle, the podcast making the impossible possible. I am your host, Erin Andrews, and today I'm so excited to share an episode all about zero-waste living. This topic has a special place in my heart given this is where I started my sustainability journey. Um, We have a guest on who you have probably heard of, and if you haven't, then you're missing out. Um, We're going to chat all about what it's like to live zero waste, what it means to be using plastic when you're living a quote-unquote zero waste lifestyle, Um, what it takes to be a zero waste influencer in the sense that everything you do is looking under a microscope. Everybody's always looking around, um, trying to, I guess, nitpick and to make sure that you're doing things quote unquote right. Um, how do you build an honest community and people who are being realistic about sustainability in an environment that sometimes feels overwhelming and a little bit judgy? Um, And if you are new to Zero Waste, we're going to talk about where you can start, looking at apps like Poshmark, Buns, secondhand websites, Um, and most importantly, we're going to be talking about accessibility around Zero Waste living. Um, A lot of people think this is something only rich people can do, um, and to a certain degree, that's accurate, but we're going to talk about maybe how that might not be the truth. Um, little side note, um, the person that we're going to be chatting with has been a friend of mine for a couple years now, um, and we thought it would be a fun idea. I mean, not that you're necessarily listening to this podcast with all your friends, but <laughs> if you're bored in quarantine, you can make a fun drinking game out of this. So take a drink every time Sophie says community. Um, I guess I just gave away who our guest is. So our guest is your eco-friend, Sophie Robertson. She is um, a zero-waste influencer as much as she may or may not love that title. That's the best way to describe her. Um, She's been in the zero-waste game for a long time. So without further ado, um, let's get into the interview with Sophie. Sophie, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thank you so much for joining us to be on the podcast today. Um, I know you have yeah, a lot of thanks cool for having stuff. Me. Yeah, no, I know you have a lot of cool stuff to talk about with um, zero waste living and individuals' actions and how that can effectively like change the system that we're living in. Um, so mm-hmm. I think we'll have a lot of cool stuff to share with the listeners. Um, so first let's jump into just first off, letting people know about yourself. How'd you get into zero waste living? What did that process kind of look like? Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I ventured into 
the zero waste lifestyle. I found out about it in like 2016 um, after I found uh, a stat about how many coffee cups go to landfill a day in Toronto. And, um, and that number was kind of astounding. It was a million um, at that time, which was the stat was pretty old. I guess it'd be almost about maybe 10 years old now. Um, and, uh, and I just, I was, I just was shocked. Um, so it kind of propelled me into a state of like, I need to do something, even though I don't drink coffee or even tea. I just thought, Oh my gosh, I'm sure. Like, obviously that means I'm, I'm contributing in other ways of waste and how can I, how can I change this? Um, so I started to search and, you know, the rabbit hole, <laughs> um, is what I went down and found people living this zero waste lifestyle. And I had no idea what that meant. Um, and then when I kind of looked into it, I was like, Oh, it's just people trying to reduce their waste. Well, that makes sense. Um, and so that was it. Like I, I once I started to, you know, find people online that were kind of living this lifestyle intentionally reducing their waste and, and looking at everything kind of um I hesitate with a critical lens but like that is basically what it was is just kind of looking at things one by one not all at once um mm -hmm. but yeah just evaluating those those choices and looking at like okay well what can I what can I reduce and it was you know, it, it was kind of a no brainer for a lot of these things. And a lot of the things are just going back to the way we used to do things. It's not a crazy concept. It sounds like it is. And it's been coined as this kind of almost like this extreme lifestyle, but really it's, it's not. And so many people have been living this way for, <laughs> for ages and ages and they don't call it a zero waste lifestyle. It's just the way they live. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, that's, <laughs> as you know it's just kind of like it became a movement which is amazing and um it also kind of evolved into a place where um I realized like oh waste is but a small piece of this massive um environmental uh puzzle I guess um so so yeah so that was a really good kind of jumping into it point for me and I think maybe that's why it took off is because it is such a tangible way to make some kind of impact yeah definitely I know a lot of people that I've talked to about it um they always say like it's how I started and then it opens you up to all these other problems going on in the world exactly. regarding sustainability so on that note though of people's perceptions of zero waste being like some crazy extreme thing um, mm -hmm. what does zero waste living mean to you? Like, it, is it extreme still? Like, is it what you kind of dream to, to do? Or like, what does it mean to you to be zero waste? No, it's not. Um, I don't, I don't think it's extreme. I, you know, I've also been kind of, it's a constant, um, striving towards, uh, being, uh, like pushing myself, I guess, in, in, um, and challenging myself on like how to be, just a better human on the planet in the sense of like trying to reduce my impact. Um, but you know, things have changed with COVID obviously. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, 
it was harder to get things without packaging and all that stuff. But it, again, and once you've been doing this for a while, you realize like the packaging is such a small piece of it. And that's the only, that's the kind of piece that we see, but there's so much behind the scenes that we don't see. So um, it just means for me, zero waste is just trying to be as mindful as possible. And also um, trying to widen the lenses to what my access is, is going to be different than my neighbor's access, you know, so um, trying to remove the, the language of like, you just do this, and it's just so simple. And it's, you know, all of these things can be a little bit tough, I think, um, for anyone who's like, well, that's not easy for me, because I don't have the time, I don't have the financial resources, or, or whatever the case. Um, so it's just trying to invite as many people in as possible, you know, and to realize that it's, it's not like you don't need some kind of like stainless steel straw to enter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just bring uh, your plastic yeah, one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and I, and I also understand like, cause I did that myself. I, I did purchase the stainless steel straw yeah. and never used it. Um, you know, and, and if that's, if that's the way that makes you feel like, like that's your first action, then so be it. Also don't beat yourself up about that. But, um, yeah, I think community action, community activism is, is probably where I've shifted more towards. Yeah. And that's where sustainability. Yeah. Cause the system change aspect of it, because a lot of the questions that we ask on the podcast is like, how does your work contribute to the shift to the circular economy? And I think you almost mm -hmm. answered it right there. It's like once you have that community <laughs> around it, right? Like you're you're changing yeah. mass opinions, and like that's how system change gets pushed. Is like bringing people into it. Yeah. Don't be alienating. Um, that kind of thing, right? Exactly. Exactly. Because obviously, I mean, it's all it's all going to sound so cliche, but it's like obviously we're stronger when we do things together, right? <laughs> obviously, if we're divisive, and we're and we're saying like oh, how could you be, how could that, you know, influencer or whatever, whoever the person is who's an environmentalist, how could they be carrying a plastic bag? Well, maybe let's like take a step back and look at all the things they have accomplished. Does that plastic bag, like really at the end of the day, does that mean that they're not an environmentalist or if they eat meat or whatever their choices may be? Like there's so much that we don't see. Maybe that person has been using that bag for 10 years. You know what I mean? Like we just don't know. So let's let's drop the kind of quick to judge and and just look at the bigger picture, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, which is not always easy. I, I like I'm not saying that I never do that either, but I just I try hard to stop myself before I'm like, you know, there's so much more than just what we see. Mm -hmm. And it's like that, um, the stat, how people who make like the top, whatever percent of income levels mm -hmm. in Canada, like mm -hmm. they produce the most waste. And like, those are the people who yeah. are products. Whereas like, if you just reuse like your yogurt container a hundred times, then yeah. like that's way less impact. And, but when you're just looking at the person the first time, you're like, why are you using plastic? 
So how do you like bring people on that journey with you? Because a lot of, at least what I've seen in the sustainability community, like even like if you look mm-hmm. at like the vegan community, cause I consider myself to be in that group of people. And then also like mm-hmm. in the, the zero waste community, like I find there is a lot of like back and forth of like, well, this is better. This is worse. I'm right. You're wrong. Cause like people are almost trying to be right. like showy that they're better than other people. So like, how do you manage that? Yeah with people in your community? Yeah, it's tough. I, I just, I try to be as transparent as possible. Um, in that, you know, these are the, these are the, like the struggles. These are the, Oh, I tried this and this didn't work for me. Like, Mm -hmm. so that stuff is okay. You know, um, I guess, and just trying to make it, as light as possible at the same time because I, I do also feel like um there's a there's a heaviness that comes with the the idea of sustainability or environmentalism there's a there's a heaviness there because there's some really tough issues mm-hmm. um and people are already dealing with their day-to-day life that can be tough and so is it going to help people if if every if like to try and get more people in is it going to help to make it really doom and gloom I mean it's important to show how serious things are but I think there's it's also important to show that it doesn't have to be that way and I think the community piece of it is what makes it feel lighter. I don't know if that just made sense, but. (laughs) Well, yeah, because then you can look around and see these are the people doing this with me versus like it's me against this big bad world. Exactly. That's exactly it. It's like, um, yeah, it's just like, okay, let's do this together. And it's so much less of a load um, than one person trying to contact their city councilor and just like, maybe afraid to do that and having to be one-on-one in a room with them or, you know, whatever (laughs) that that's like, I'm saying that because that intimidates me. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Um, That's terrifying. Yeah. Um, But if you go, you know, if you go with a few community members, like how much better does that feel? Like already just thinking about that situation, it feels so much better because someone else is going to have a point that you're like, Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. That too. You know, Mm -hmm. someone, everyone will be able to kind of um, contribute together. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. And like being able to have each other's backs and like you don't have that fear of like not knowing the right thing to say against the right argument. Oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when you're um, talking to people about like sustainable living and um, kind of like what they can do, uh, to, Mm -hmm. to make a change. Um, what would you say like the biggest impact behavior someone could adopt? Like, would it be activism? Would it be, I don't know, like driving a car? Like, what do you think is the most, um, the biggest impact one person could make in a single decision? I know that's kind of a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, I think, uh, it definitely depends on the person who's asking because, are they someone who have, who's been already kind of in this for a while? Mm-hmm. Um, then it might, I might be more towards activism. Is that something? Because 
I feel personally like activism wasn't something that I was, uh, I was definitely timid about that. And, um, and so I've only kind of come around to that in the last couple of years. But I think in terms of entry level, um, I think the simplest way for me would be buying secondhand um, because the decision making is so much less loaded in the sense that you don't have to think about was this ethically made? Um, is this sustainable, uh, you know, in terms of like, was it made locally? Um, what, what are the ethos of the, the brand? Um, all of that stuff that comes into play with, um, with making new purchases. Um, you don't have to think, or I, I certainly don't think about it as much when it's secondhand because it's all already out there. So if I'm getting something that's already in circulation, um, it means no, no more kind of new resources have to be extracted to, um, in terms of making that item. Um, so that for me really makes it a lot less, uh, taxing, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. so when I make my, when I need new things, I, or like when I need to source something, I make a list and then, um, I, I just search on places like Facebook Marketplace and Buns and Kijiji and Poshmark, um, secondhand marketplaces, which uh, tend to be, well, it's definitely, you're saving a lot of money, but um, you're getting something that's already already out there and already been in circulation. Mm -hmm. And that's such a key circular economy tactic is just reusing and re like the, the sharing economy yeah. that things like buns, Poshmark, yeah. Facebook marketplace all make because like those are infrastructure um, or those are different pieces of the infrastructure that people need to be able to like effectively mm -hmm. have that shopping experience where it's like, okay, you're not just like asking your friends. Now you have access to like all of Toronto or whatever. Yeah. But and I, I understand that in Toronto, there's like way more options in terms of being able to do like buns and things like that. So, yeah. you know, if, if someone was in more of a rural community, like yard sales, you know, get together with your neighbors, put out a call on Facebook to, you know, your local community of like what you're in search of. And often that will kind of just be like, oh, I have one of these in the garage I haven't used in years. You can have it or you can borrow it or whatever. So just kind of putting the, the call out, which is, again, coming back to community. Um, it may take more time sometimes, and sometimes it might save you a lot of time, um, especially with all the online um, secondhand marketplaces now. Um, it may actually save time, too. So it just depends on where someone's at. Mm-hmm. So um, you mentioned like Buns and Poshmark and all those places. So um, yeah. just for the listeners who maybe aren't aware of what those are, yes. you, would you mind like explaining the difference between them? Because I know Buns, I actually haven't been on Poshmark, which might surprise you. Um, so I'm yeah. also curious to know what is going on with that one. Yeah. So Buns is a great um, kind of community hub where um, if anyone's listening to this and they 
don't have in their in their community, it's very easy to start. They make it um, so that it's easy to start. Basically, kind of uh, just tell them where you are, and you can start listing things. It's kind of like uh, Kijiji or Craigslist, um, but everyone has to have a profile, and people can be um, reviewed. So it's more secure in that way. And I mean, before COVID, there were safe trading zones here in Toronto. So like uh, certain shops would be like have a sticker on their window that said you could trade here. And probably the most important thing is that it is trading. So there's no money involved. Um, so it's like, you know, someone has a chair and you're in need of a chair and you put up a can of spaghetti sauce that you're just not going to use and that person wants spaghetti sauce and you're going to arrange to meet and, um, and trade that. And in COVID times, there's a lot of, um, everyone is concerned about that. So there's been a lot of contactless um, trading happening too. So that hasn't been an issue for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Poshmark, um, that's kind of a, a newer one that I started using this year. And um, it's only, I think, been available in Canada for maybe a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, it's the same same idea as, I guess, like Kijiji or whatever. You see stuff online, but it's individuals who have profiles of their quote-unquote closets. Um, so it can be anything from, like, housewares to clothing. It's I mean, it's definitely focused on clothing but there are other things I've gotten um some like toys for um, my daughter on it um but it's all within Canada so it's all people um in the country that are selling things and you can negotiate um with them and um yeah it's been it's been great it's been really a really good community there too Mm-hmm. That one sounds really interesting because especially like the textile problem is so huge yeah. that to have one like mm-hmm. specific for clothing, um, I think even though like they've kind of branched out into other things, but being like having, being known to be like, this is where you can get um, clothes from that are secondhand. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's really good. How do they, cause I know like if you're on buns um, and people post clothes, or if I've posted clothes before, I find that it's maybe not always the most successful thing that people want. So does Poshmark do anything differently to make it easier um, to shop for secondhand clothes, like sizing-wise, or do they have any features? Oh, sizing? Oh, yeah. It's very, it's very, it took, there was a steep learning curve for me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, And I'm still, I'm still learning. Yeah. So you can put in all your preferences. So I actually have myself my husband and my daughter's preferences in terms of like you know my size of pants and shirts so everything when I look at it it will be showing me those sizes like so Mm. I can yeah so it's kind of handy that way and you can also search for very specific brands even if you want Mm. um so there's like yeah it's kind of cool so there's been like you know it just it does help in terms of time, if time is an issue for people, which it is for everyone, you can put in like, if you know that you love this brand, it fits you well, you know, your sizing, you can just put in, you know, whatever, like I just searched for my daughter's winter boots, I need to upsize um, her boots. And this brand called Boggs 
is really great and I know they fit her well and that she likes them. So I just searched that and I was able to find that fairly quickly. And so I just messaged the person um, or you can just make an offer. It's very, it's, it's fairly um, user friendly. Just hmm. takes a little longer for someone of my age bracket. <laughs> oh, oh, Sophie. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just teasing, but it does take me a little bit longer than it used to. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> that's so funny. No, I think that you're like the, you're the coolest mom I know. We'll, we'll say that. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> I don't know how many moms you know, but thank you. <laughs> so many, so many. <laughs> um, <laughs> so something else that you had mentioned is uh, like redecorating your house with stuff that you've traded and yeah. like secondhand stuff. So I, I just, if you were to estimate like the percentage of things mm-hmm. in your home, I know you know yeah. where you're going, that are secondhand. Yeah. Traded, <laughs> what do you think it would be? Oh man, this is a good question. <laughs> um, uh, I would say it's probably like 80% of my stuff is secondhand. I would say like in terms of like furniture and house, like that, the last that, you know, once I started to kind of go towards trying to reduce waste, like that was a habit that I, I already was very familiar with is sourcing secondhand. Like when we moved into this place 10 years ago, 10 plus years ago, um, I had kind of like for the few months prior been like sourcing things secondhand and like storing them in our little shed. And my husband was just like, Oh my gosh. I'm like, yeah, but look, I got this for like this brand new couch for like $300. The person, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so, so yeah, that was already something I was doing. Um, so yeah, I would say it's probably safe to say uh, like 80% because it's, it's rare that I go, to a new shop really because there's so many options available certainly here there's a lot of great secondhand shops too that I go to in person as well um yeah it's very satisfying to look around and be like "Ooh, I remember where I got that that you know yeah and how much it cost me or if it didn't cost me anything because I found it on the curb (laughs) Oh, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. And that's when like the people who are always like, oh, zero waste living is so expensive. Like it's not super accessible. Like I understand that for like certain things, right? Some things like, okay, if you want like a stainless steel, yeah. whatever, like you can, you can be an expensive zero waster, but you can also be a frugal zero sure. waster. Um, so when you talk about like accessibility though, in zero ways, mm-hmm. like how are different mm-hmm. ways, what, what are different things that are barriers for people? Because I know you've, you've like taught a lot of people in a lot of different situations about zero waste living. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you've had yeah. some interesting conversations with a lot of different people. So like what, what's kind of your perspective on the accessibility and zero waste interaction? Yeah. So there's so many different facets there. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, for one that comes to mind is um, reusable period products. That's probably one of my favorite swaps that I made prior to even, um, you know, intentionally trying to go zero waste. Um, 
And that for me was a very simple switch. But um, someone who doesn't have a secure living situation, who may not have access to running water, you know, or at least like a dependable access to that, that's going to be harder, <laughs> obviously, you know, yeah. so, um, so that is where, you know, I always try to say in any of the workshops that I lead, like, if that, that one area doesn't work for your current situation, then don't do it. Don't fret about it. And don't feel like you're a bad person or that you're not a good enough environmentalist or whatever the case move on to something that's more accessible for you so you know like I, I don't know is it maybe walking to um to your job um is that accessible in terms of your time and are you able-bodied to do that you know there are so many so many ways that we can um reduce our footprint or maybe it's like maybe you're really great at making um masks that's a big thing right now you know so if you're making masks for people in your community like that's that's sustainability like in my opinion that's it doesn't just have to be about taking away things or swapping things if you count how many times i'm going to say community in this podcast you could do like a <laughs> drinking game with it but <laughs> that'll be um, in the intro but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but but it's it's so true. Like I just didn't realize how important community would be when I kind of jumped into this. Like it really is the backbone of our society. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think the stronger our community is, the stronger everyone is individually. Mm -hmm. um, very first workshop at the public library. Um, I was used to, prior to doing that, I was used to people taking snapshots with their smartphones of the material that I had up on the screen. Mm -hmm. And so I went into that workshop with the same mentality and I quickly learned like that is not accessible for everyone because I had a range of children to seniors in in attendance and they didn't have smartphones or didn't use them or whatever the case so i had to realize like oh yeah printing off a piece of paper is not is not it's not being unsustainable it's just like you have to look at you know everyone in the room so um and them being able to bring that information home and put it into action is way more important in my perspective than the one piece of paper that I use. And who, like, you know, I tried to print on, you know, paper that was already used on one side or whatever the case, just trying to be inviting for everyone, make everyone in the room feel seen and heard. And I like, that's so important. I think you do that like really well, even like on your social media, because that's what I have seen, but I can imagine also in those Thank situations. Be yeah. Because it's like, you, you have to come at it from a realistic perspective. Otherwise, that community mm -hmm. will not grow. People will feel like it's not for them. 
And why would you actively yeah. exclude people from something where you want to bring people with you and like say, okay, like, exactly. we'll meet you where you are. <laughs> yeah. And you don't want everyone in, in the space to be the same. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's not going to work either. You know, you need different perspectives, um, different experiences. I had a one woman also um, shared with me that uh, after a workshop, which I had never thought of and she had been struggling with addiction issues and I was leading a workshop on how to wrap gifts with um cloth instead of um like disposable items and um a common gift is wine and so I had wine bottles empty wine bottles for everyone and she said that it was a bit triggering for her and I I was like oh my gosh thank you for sharing that I would not have thought of that so she wasn't asking me to not do that. She was saying if you, it would be helpful if you offered like a mason jar for someone like me who doesn't necessarily want to have that in their presence, like in, right in front of them. So, so yeah, just learning from people in that, in those situations is, is really key, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be like that whole um, approach to, to building the community of, of having a lot of diverse people in the conversation is helpful, whether you're talking about growing the zero waste community or in our case, when you're building the circular economy, which I mean, they're kind of the same. Yeah. Um, because if, yeah. You're not fact- if you're not factoring in those different perspectives, then you're going to have a less resilient solution to the problem. Like you need to be able to have all those perspectives um, taken into consideration as well. Like if you want to actually build something that's going to last and going to work in the reality of the world with all of these people. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's very fascinating because I, um, I haven't done a lot of presenting, I would say I've done a lot of like consulting Mm -hmm. on our projects with different Mm -hmm. people, but um, maybe that's something even where the foundation needs to do better and to, to consult with um, people of all different backgrounds, because depending on where you host these consultations, like for us, it was on zoom you're inherently mm-hmm. making your, your audience a specific group of people and you're automatically excluding another group of people. Um, yeah, it's challenging. I mean, right now in particular, obviously, um, because of COVID, and, but the, the public library is a, I mean, that is their whole thing is, is removing barriers and making um making information accessible right so I learned a lot working with the public library I mean I had I had people in in my workshop that were um that were homeless and that was that was also eye-opening I was like wow was I ever ignorant to think that someone who was homeless didn't have the time to think about these issues like I learn as much as anyone else if not more from doing these kind of events. So knowing though that like being in the conversation of sustainability and zero waste and um, knowing that the problems are very big and very scary Mm -hmm. and oftentimes we are working against um, very ingrained systems that do not value these types of things that we're talking about. Um, Mm -hmm. how are ways that you stay positive? How are ways that you keep going? You (laughs) have such a long time. Like, I'm sure you have a lot of um, learnings from being so persistent, but then also you stay so positive about it. At least it seems that's what you put out. 
how do you maintain yeah. that or, or at least come back to it? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it ebbs and flows for sure. Like, I mean, I, you know, people don't see everything. Obviously you can't share all of yourself. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, I, I would say probably some of the hardest times I had in terms of like my mental health with everything was at the start of COVID, um, which I'm sure is most people can probably <laughs> relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that really, really challenging. So I just had to take a step back. Um, and that was, you know, less time on social, um, and more time with my family, which obviously we had a lot of, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, being definitely being active, uh, helps a ton, um, whether it's like cycling or just dancing at home, turning on the music, something as simple as that. I keep forgetting how effective it is for me, Mm -hmm. um, to like shake me up and just be like, okay, I can do this, you know? Um, uh, yeah, just, I, you know, I run when the weather is good. I won't be when there's ice, but, (laughs) um, um, so yeah. So like, a couple times a week, I might go for a run. Um, you know, I do a lot of uh, like hit kind of YouTube videos and dancing workouts and stuff like that. That makes me happy. So anything I think that um, brings you joy, whether that's just sitting outside with a tea or coffee or whatever, um, trying to do more of that and trying to not like sit in the in the feelings of despair like where that is also useful but there's a point at which it isn't for me like it it, it's like okay well I'm just wallowing now and nothing is happening so I'm gonna have to shake myself up a bit and move on and you know that uh, isn't isn't always easy obviously Um, but certainly I never feel I never regret going out and being active mm-hmm. or even being inside and being active, whatever the case. I never, ever regret that. So I always feel better after that. Yeah, that's really good because there, there's such a, a definite, well, maybe it's not even, maybe it's kind of hard to notice the barrier between education and just overwhelming yourself yourself with um negativity about the climate crisis Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff because Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. for me too like you watch a a documentary or something and then you kind of go down a rabbit hole and you're like oh my gosh everything sucks (laughs) and it's like well you probably got the learnings if you just stopped at the documentary (laughs) right so yeah it's it's tough like I yeah if I watch something that's like you know really tough um while it's important I also need to balance it out with something light afterwards like whatever if it's like just before you know we've watched something like really tough and we're gonna head to bed I'm like I've just got to watch a few like funny dog videos before (laughs) before I go to bed because I just can't I can't go to bed with that like it's the information is still there it doesn't mean it's going away but I need to be able to challenge myself to another another day of you know, whatever it is, 
you know, put my right foot in front of my left. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. In the last, I guess, however many years, I guess since 2016, what is that? That's a a while, last couple of years um, Mm -hmm. that you've been doing this stuff. What has been um, like the funnest community event or like what has been the most rewarding event that you or experience that you've, you've been at that kind of like boosted your energy a lot? Uh, there's a lot. Um, very lucky to say that there's a lot. Um, there's two very kind of pivotal events that happened. And one of them was my very first meet up with a bunch of zero wasters, which I would highly recommend. I know right now it's like not the easiest. So, you know, mm-hmm. a small group <laughs> that are six feet apart from each other. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but this, yeah, my first meetup was just, I always kind of joke about it, but it really was kind of magical. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. there were like 10, 11 of us and we had never met in real life, but we had all kind of chatted, um, on social media and it, it was, it felt like we all knew each other for years. It was, mm-hmm. we just got along so, so well. And, um, you know, and we, we didn't want the, the night to end. Like I didn't get home to like three something that night, which is like, that does not happen for me. Okay. Like, <laughs> you know, let alone the fact that I have a kid, but, um, but yeah, my, I was like, messaging my husband I was like I'm gonna be late tonight okay (laughs) um and he's he's very supportive so there was that moment because I made a lot of really long-term friendships from that who I'm still very much like friend very close with Mm -hmm. and then um an event my very first event that I helped to organize which was bringing Bea Johnson to Toronto she'd never been here before so she's the author of Zero Waste Home if anyone um, who's listening doesn't know um and um yeah I just came at it from a perspective of like I liked what she was doing um she was kind of the first person that I like first author I guess that I had seen that had written a book about it and um and I I was surprised that she wasn't, hadn't been to Toronto before. So I kind of reached out to her and asked if she would ever be coming to Toronto. And she's like, no, I don't have anything booked, but if you know anyone, and that's kind of all I needed to hear, even though I didn't know anyone in the, <laughs> in the, the movement or in the community at that stage. Yeah. Um, I just reached out to a few organizations in Toronto Tool Library who are a fantastic organization um they were like yeah let's do it okay you're gonna lead it and I was like I'm sorry what I'm I'm gonna what <laughs> they're like yeah you're gonna be the lead I'm like um okay but I've never done this they're like oh it's okay we'll have a group of people we'll do it we'll put it together it'll be great I'm like um okay <laughs> and yeah so like 400 people at wow. this amazing event and um, and it was fantastic. Like the vibe was so great. And I, I did my first speaking moment there in front of 400 people, which was like, there's no way you could have paid me enough to do that. And that was mm-hmm. just, I was like, yeah, I'm doing this because I believe in this. So, so yeah, those two moments were probably the, the most, um, I guess, life changing for me. Wow. 
I love that. I don't think I've ever heard that story before. And I really love that. That's, oh, really? Yeah. No, that's such a good explanation, or not explanation, but like example of how if you just like follow what is speaking to you and what you're, what you really care about and what you're passionate about, like things are just going to work. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just like a blind faith, I guess. I was like, well, what do I have to lose? I mean, I didn't know when I pitched it to different people that they would want me to lead it but I understand that now doing community work it's yeah. like well if you got the idea you better back it up yeah <laughs> you better it's like, like show us. be ready to <laughs> yeah you better be ready to step up so like now I have to be careful with my ideas I'm not just gonna spew them out anymore <laughs> you know Think twice. um yeah exactly right but yeah you have to that like that's just how it works with grassroots organizations it's like there's a limited amount of people and resources here so if you've got an idea you got to be ready to put it forth you know like to actually take take action on it and um and of course they they provided a ton of support and um yeah it was it was incredible that's awesome so if there are people who are listening who want to like get involved in the zero waste community in Toronto, or even in one outside of the city, um, where do you recommend that they yeah. start? Social media is a good um, a good start, I think, because you can kind of learn about different organizations and people around you who are already doing it. So whether it's mm-hmm. like a Facebook group or just on um, on Instagram, just searching like zero waste and your town, kind of hashtag zero waste in your town. Um, that has helped also. I've done that when I've gone to different areas, like say I've gone to Ottawa and I've searched that hashtag and I'm like, Oh, this person in Ottawa is like, I'm following them and they're following me. Like maybe I'll see if they want to meet up. So that kind of thing is really cool. And, and I've been able to work with some of those people that I've met, um, previously. So it, it's, it's really fun. And then, um, you know, if you're not on social media, then kudos to you. Um, and, um, and I would say like a public library is a great place, um, to find out what, what kind of, um, events that they're offering. Of course, everything is online right now, but you can still certainly meet people that way. Um, and, uh, and groups that you like or groups or organizations that you like. So like the Toronto Tool Library is a great, um, group that I got involved with and, and did a lot of volunteer work with them for the last few years. Um, and just, yeah, any, any groups that you kind of follow that you like what they're doing. So whether it's like secondhand, it's a, like, uh, I don't know, some kind of, uh, textile recycling or sharing economy or refillery. Um, then you'll find events and things that they're doing. Farmers markets are also a really great place. They often mm-hmm. have, um, you know, people like makers and local um, people that are that are really doing things in the community. That's so true. I think even when I was first getting started with all of this stuff, I was um, volunteering at events to meet people. I think that's how we met at one of your swaps. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it's, it's so true though. It's like, if you just kind of like jump in, find the people, reach out to them, then things will happen. Like even Mm -hmm. if you volunteer your time for those organizations, like I know for impact zero Mm -hmm. foundation, like we accept volunteers all the time. So 
we've met mm-hmm. some awesome people. It's like meaningful work then too. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like that, that recommendation. I think that's a good one. <laughs> so I think we're just about out of time. So I wanted to yeah. give you an opportunity to plug yourself. Where can mm-hmm. people find you? How can they support you? Um, go crazy. Thanks. So yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at your eco friend. Um, and I have a website as well, which I'll be updating soon. Um, but it's your eco friend.ca. Um, so I, um, my work from there is basically like zero waste, um, consulting and speaking engagements. Um, and I just started working actually today is my first official day for, yeah, for spent goods. Um, so anyone in Toronto who, um, isn't already familiar with them, they are a fantastic circular economy business where they use spent barley grains from breweries to make bread products. Um, and they are awesome. So, I'm helping them out with some sales and marketing and um, I'm really, really excited to be, to be working with them. I also do um, interactive discussions, I guess, with a team of friends and we call it Weasolation. Um, so where we just basically skill share. Um, so we have like a guest uh, speaker every once a month now um, to share on a topic of like how to make macrame plant holders out of an old t-shirt instead of recycling the t-shirt or throwing it in the garbage. Um, you know, how do you make uh, spaghetti sauce with very few ingredients? You know, I don't know, just a bunch of, a range of different um, things that we can do at home. And it was kind of inspired by the, well, COVID basically wanted to continue community work um, and, and building the community while we're, we were all kind of stuck in our homes, um, but we're going to continue on with. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's great. And also, side note, Spent Goods is also Thank a member of our network. So this is all amazing. I think so, like you're doing such a wide variety of things and you're so involved. It's really inspiring. So I hope people go. Uh, thank you. Same. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope people go check you out, though. Um, I'll link all of those things in the description. So if anyone wants a quick link, they can just go down there and follow you and all the awesome stuff that you're doing. But thank you so much, Sophie, for being on the podcast with us. Thank you so much, Erin. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of The Inner Circle. If you'd like to learn more about the foundation, you can visit our website at impactzero.ca. You can also find us on Instagram at impactzero.ca and as well on LinkedIn, Impact Zero Foundation. Thanks again for hanging out with us today and we'll see you next week.